0: Changing your life one story at a time. This is the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast with editor in chief Amy Newmark. Hey, it's Amy Newmark and it's Friend Friday on the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast. Today we're welcoming Sarah Etkin Baker, who lost 170 pounds through running and then was honored to be one of the torchbearers who carried the Olympic flame to the Salt Lake City Olympics. It's a story of fortitude, passion, and a lot of luck too. You'll be amazed at the miraculous way in which everything came together for her. So, Sarah, welcome to the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast.
1: Great, I'm glad to be here.
0: Well, thanks. And I know you went to Texas A and M. Tell us a little more about yourself.
1: Well, yes, I did attend Texas A and M University. Uh, it was in Commerce, Texas, and I earned both a bachelor's and master's degree. And uh, my bachelor's is in German and business and English. And my master's is in counseling and education.
0: And you have had a lot of stuff published now in a host of anthologies and magazines, including guideposts and, of course, the Chicken Soup for the Soul series. So I want to talk about this amazing story that you gave us for Chicken Soup for the Soul, Running for Good, Tell us how you came to become a runner initially.
1: I had always been conditioned to walk. That's how I began losing weight was actually walking. And my husband was the one who said, you know, you are not fat anymore. You can run. And so he said, just follow me. (laughs) And so he would run for three minutes and walk for three minutes with me behind him, trying to work me into a, a comfortable pace and slowly over time uh the three minutes became two minutes and then one minute and then I was able to run 30 minutes at a time an hour at a time eventually he and I ran half marathons together but after I started running with him I just fell in love with it there was something about the the cadence of running and the rhythm and uh it was almost kind of like meditating and I just felt so relaxed when I was finished and I was hooked forever. (laughs) Once, once, once I got past that point of realizing that the discomfort that I felt was something that I could adjust to, you know, that discomfort of your body, you know, moving faster than you're normally moving. And so I was just hooked and I've loved it ever since.
0: And it's amazing that you actually went from being an unhealthy 300-pound woman to a one, right. to a 130-pound healthy one. So I want to hear now about this Olympic thing, which you talked about in your story, because you beat all the odds on that one.
1: Yes, I, I did. It was actually very exciting. My uh, husband decided that well, what happened was we were at the movie theater, on a Saturday afternoon, and we saw an advertisement with Lance and Armstrong suggesting that people write in and nominate somebody to that inspired them, so that maybe that person would have a chance to carry the torch as it made its way across the United States. When we got home, and my husband got online immediately and nominated me because of my my weight loss success, and. Uh, we didn't hear anything from months. This was like maybe in June. We didn't really hear anything until September that I had been selected to be a support runner, which meant that I would just be running alongside one of the torchbearers, which was fine with me. That was exciting enough.
0: I know you showed up to be one of these supporters. And then what happened on that day?
1: Well, one of the torchbearers didn't show up. And so, fifteen minutes before we were supposed to board the shuttle that was taking us to our our segments there in Santa Fe, New Mexico, she told us that we would all have an opportunity to draw a number from a hat and she would announce the winning number you know after everybody all the torch all the support boners had selected a number and so I just I reached down real deep in the hat, and thinking, "Oh, maybe this is my chance, this is my chance and I pulled it out and then a couple of minutes later, she made the announcement and I was so shocked. I just, I was almost hysterical, just screaming because I was so excited <laughs> and um, they whisked me into another room. I had to change from a support runner outfit into a actual torchbearer outfit and uh, my husband had to go to a different place and we had to be separated and it kind of became chaotic at first because it all happened so quickly. That's how that came about.
0: That's so incredible. So you ran that torch, the official torch, that ended up going all the way to Salt Lake City to start the Olympics. So it was like a relay, right? How far did you run with the torch?
1: You half a mile. What happens is you when we got aboard the shuttle, each of the uh torch bearers were, were given a torch and you're you're dropped off at your segment and As the flame makes its way down the segment, the the torch before you ignites yours. And the whole idea is that the torch is never not flaming. It's never extinguished. And so then once your torch is extinguished, you run your segment to the next person. And then you use your torch to ignite the next one.
0: You're carrying the Olympic flame along with you. So the Olympic flame never goes out. It gets transferred from one torch to another.
1: Right. It never goes out. It never goes out. And it's just, it was an incredible experience because uh, I can remember the person before me lighting my torch and then beginning to run. And I didn't, I didn't feel anything. I felt like I was floating down the street. And I remember them telling us, you know, hold the, hold the torch in one hand this way and wave at the crowd and you know, it was you know just a few months after nine eleven, and the people were lined with the street up and down the streets, waving American flags, and it was just such an emotional, life-defining moment. I'm sorry, I'm getting kind of emotional, but it was oh. it was truly remarkable, truly remarkable.
0: Now you practiced for this, didn't you? You ran around your neighborhood carrying a broken-off broom handle with a three-pound weight <laughs> on it, just so it would feel <laughs> like the torch.
1: Yes, I did. <laughs>
0: that is so great—a great example of visualizing something and having it actually come true. You wrote in your story that you would even wave at your neighbors, pretending that they were cheering bystanders.
1: Yeah, yeah, they would wave at me, and you know, I thought, okay, you know, I was trying to envision the experience and make it happen before I knew it was going to happen. I think I've experienced uh, kind of some unusual odds before. Maybe this will happen, and and it did.
0: That is so cool. We're going to take a break. And then we're going to come back with Sarah, and we're going to talk about her other Chicken Soup for the Soul stories. There are many of them, and a lot of them turn out to be my favorites in our library, which is extraordinary because we have about 30,000 stories in our library, and yet Sarah's stories are among the ones that I really remember well. We're back with Sarah Etkin Baker, and we've been talking about how she ran her way to health and her really fun experience of miraculously becoming an Olympic torchbearer. But Sarah's actually told many other tales for our readers, and many of them are my favorites. So let's talk about some of your other stories. We've actually published six of your stories in the last decade or so, and I want to talk about a few of them today. And one of them goes back to your weight loss journey. It was from Chicken Soup for the Soul, Reboot Your Life. And it's about when you realized why you were eating food. Right. So you said in your story that you realized that you were using food for emotional reasons. It was emotional eating, not a physical need
1: for food. I was really addicted to food. It was, I discovered in the process of, you know, I I realized that I had to do something, so um, I decided, okay, I've got to figure out what my food triggers are, and um, any time I got stressed, I would eat, especially something crunchy. If I got feeling like unloved or needed some kind of care rather than inducing some form of self-care, I would, would eat something sweet, and I got to the point where food was controlling me, and I couldn't get a job. And I thought, you know, this cannot be the end of my career. I need to I need to make a change. And so I I literally drew the sand in I line in the sand one day and said, Okay, this stops today and uh this was in the late nineteen seventies and there wasn't a whole lot of information like there is now and I just thought, Okay, I'm gonna just limit myself to twelve hundred calories a day and I'm gonna walk as much as I can until I get comfortable, and it was a simple formula that really served me. I had read that I needed to establish new habits, journal what I was eating, and think about what I was doing in order to regain control over over my life. Ultimately,
0: so I guess running, w- walking, and then running were probably good substitutes for food when you had an emotional need for something you could then fill that emotional need with exercise.
1: Right, yeah, and I did. And I, fortunately, I didn't go to an extreme. It would have been very easy to become just as obsessive about that as I had been with food. But you know, I thought, okay, I've got to develop something that I can do over a lifetime, not something short-term. And so I just tried to be very mindful of what I was doing.
0: All right. Now I want to talk about another story that you gave us for a recent bestseller of ours, Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Best Advice I Ever Heard. And this is about something that happened to you in high school that really changed the path that your life took.
1: I had a summer job and uh, I was so, so taken back with the aspect of working and earning my own money that I thought, while I was there, I thought, you know, over time, I thought, you know, I can just do this the rest of my life. I I don't need to finish high school. I don't need to do anything else. And luckily, I I worked for a woman who was, um, who had gone down that path. And she was a very uh, brusque woman, a very abrupt woman. And when I made that decision and told her that I wasn't, going to go back to school. You know, she basically set me straight. She said, "You've got you, you're more on the ball than that. You need to you need to finish high school and you need to go on to college." And you know, I can still hear her words. I can still see her face, you know, telling me. And she did. She altered the course of my life significantly.
0: That was really great advice. I remember when I was in high school. I remember I was babysitting one night, and I announced to the couple I was babysitting for that. I wasn't going to go to college. I saw no need. And they looked so horrified. (laughs) Of course, I did end up going to college. But it's a very common thought to have when you are in high school and you feel like, well, I can earn money. I don't have to do anything else. So I, I totally understood that. Now, you were a teacher at one point, and you wrote about that in our book, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Inspiration for Teachers. And you were teaching kids who spoke no English, and you disobeyed your boss and you taught them the way you thought they should be taught.
1: Right. Yeah, I was, uh, I had found myself suddenly in in an environment that I was unfamiliar with. We had moved from Dallas, Texas to El Paso, Texas, and I was teaching in a border community, not knowing that my students didn't speak any English. I was teaching ninth graders, and most of them had just come across the border. And basically, they didn't know any English. And I was told, well, you need to follow this book. You need to follow this curriculum no matter what. And I've always been such a good soldier and done what I was supposed to do. But in my heart, I thought, these kids, they can't read this book. They can't read this literature book. And so we just started off in small doses reading words from, from basically from comic books. They could handle the, the vocabulary and the comic books, and they had enough structure to teach them the things about English, like plot and character and theme and, and heroes and, and archetypes. And they were just enthralled, and they slowly, over time, got to where they went from knowing no English to basically being able to read at the seventh grade level. Even though they were in the ninth grade, they had gone from nowhere they have made such leaps and bounds.
0: Yeah. And these days, teachers are much more open to using comics, except they call them graphic novels. So that somehow yeah. makes them seem better, right? Everything's all about graphic novels now. And like middle school boys can read graphic novels, and they'll read those even though they won't read regular books. So I think you were ahead of your time. I want to talk about one other story. That I absolutely loved that you wrote for Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Power of Yes. And I remember I used this story even in our trailer for that book. And it was about when you were clinging to your small desk, even when you Uh moved into a house where you could have a large office. And so you had this tiny desk in your in a large room. Tell us about how your husband convinced you that you should think bigger than that.
1: We had gone to a local uh, office supply store, basically to pick up just a few office supplies, and he kept hovering around the furniture area in the back, and he said, look, look at this desk. I think you need a bigger desk. And I said, no, no, I don't want a bigger desk. You know, basically leave me alone. And you know, we walked around, bought a few more supplies, and he kept saying, no, come look at this desk. You, you, your office is swallowing that small desk. You You need more room. And I was so reluctant because I had clung to this desk. It had been given to me by my mother-in-law, and it it just kind of inspired me, and I didn't want to let go of it. But I knew ultimately that he was right, that I needed to get something bigger so that I could, in my mind, move forward with my writing. I couldn't stay where I was. And uh, so I eventually, even though I was kind of, Argumentative with him. I said, okay, let's get the desk. And it has served me well. It has served me well. It is it, it totally full of mail.
0: Yeah, and that bigger desk allowed you to realize bigger dreams. And you are a wonderful writer. And that is why I wanted to talk to you today about a whole bunch of your stories. So thank you so much for joining us. Sarah, where can people learn more about you?
1: I currently have a blog and I can share that with you if you like. Absolutely. Okay. It is https colon backslash backslash sarah baker dot blogspot dot com the forward slash. If you don't if you don't put the slash there, it won't work.
0: Perfect. So you blogspot and it's Sarah Etkin, Etgen E T G E N dash Baker. Well, thank you right. so much for joining us today.
1: Well, thank you for having me, Amy. I've enjoyed visiting with you, and I, and I hope that the stories that I, I've written will inspire some other people to to move forward with their lives. It's been a great opportunity to be a part of it. many many of the Chicken Soup Soul books. I've, I've really feel quite honored to to be a part of that and to be here today.
0: Thank you. I'm Amy Newmark. Thank you for listening to the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast today. Now, if you want to write for us the way that Sarah has. You go to chickensoup.com and then click on books and then click on submit your story and we will guide you through the process. You'll see the books we're working on. You'll see our story guidelines and you'll see a form to fill out and a tiny little box where you can actually paste your entire story for anywhere from 800 to 1200 words. And I'm going to continue sharing more stories from the book that Sarah most recently wrote for, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Running for Good. You can listen to them while you're out there running or walking. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that new episodes will automatically appear in your phone. You can also subscribe to our free daily email on our website. Just click on the podcast button and you'll see a way to sign up for the newsletter. And then you can get our daily newsletter where you'll get a free story every single day. Come back next week for more Chicken Soup for the Soul inspiration from our new book about running and walking, and also some fun stories from our new bestsellers about dogs and cats.